The psychiatrist Carl Manager was once asked the question, if someone were feeling like they were coming down with a nervous breakdown, what course of action would you recommend for them? Manager replied, I would tell them to lock the door of their house, leave their home, walk across the railroad tracks, find someone in need, and do something for them. It's rather counterintuitive counsel. Now, most of us here are probably not literally feeling like a nervous breakdown is coming upon us in this moment. But over these last couple of years with the pandemic and emerging out of the pandemic, we've been through some tough and challenging times. We've also experienced the death of one of our beloved youth leaders who worked with children, Evan Chung. And so for those of us who knew him, that has been difficult and, and, and in fact, traumatic in some cases. Jesus taught that whether we are going through times of ease or challenging circumstances, if we want to experience life in its fullness, we're to do something counterintuitive, something paradoxical. We are to offer our life up to God in service to our Creator and in service to others. Jesus taught that if we try to hang on to our life, if we try to cling to our life and save it, we will lose it. But if we offer our life up in service to God and others, we will find it in the end. We're currently in a sermon series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and today we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit offers us gifts in order to serve others, in order to serve the common good. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes these, these words. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then in verses 4 to 7, he writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation or the gift of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you who bestow gifts upon us, may you also open up our understanding so that we may know what our gifts are and use them to serve others the common good and to bring you our creator glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, when we were physically born, we were given certain physical or, or natural talents. We had certain potential that we obviously weren't aware of at our birth. Potential to cultivate our minds, our artistic and athletic abilities, our leadership, and so on. When we were born spiritually, to use the language of the Bible, to use the language of John chapter 3, when we were born from above or born again or born of the Spirit, we were given certain spiritual talents or spiritual gifts. 
at some point after our spiritual rebirth, after becoming daughters and sons of God, we may also receive other gifts as well. Gordon Fee, the New Testament scholar who for many years taught at nearby Regent College, points out that spiritual gifts in the Bible simply refer to gifts from the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. And not all the gifts are seemingly very, quote, spiritual. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul writes about the gift of helps, which is an important gift that makes a real difference in the lives of others. I don't know if the, the, the guys that John B. was talking about, Tommy and Hubert, have the gift of helps or not, but they're certainly helping to transport furniture from one place in Vancouver to the home of a newcomer, the home of a refugee. That, that makes a big difference, obviously. But not all of the spiritual gifts are seemingly, quote, spiritual, but they are gifts from the Spirit. They matter and they make a difference. Now, in passages like the one we've been reading from, 1 Corinthians 12, and also in Romans 12, and in Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, we're given some examples of spiritual gifts. None of these lists individually or even taken together are exhaustive. Biblical scholars believe that there are more gifts from the Spirit, more spiritual gifts, than the ones that are featured in these passages of Scripture. But let me offer some examples of spiritual gifts. This is simply a sampling of a sample of a sample. But it might be helpful to just hear about what some of these are. So for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 8, Paul writes, To one is given through the Spirit a message or a gift of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply insight from the Holy Spirit to a particular situation. Now, I may be displaying some bias here, but I believe that my own mother had this spiritual gift of wisdom. When my siblings or I would go through a difficult or a disappointing situation, my mom would say things like, or would ask things like, what difference will this make 10 years from now? And what difference, yes, <laughs> maybe your mother asked the same, what difference will this make in eternity? The spiritual gift of wisdom is about something more than, say, IQ. It's, it's something different than street smarts. The spiritual gift of wisdom is about applying the eternal perspective of God to a given situation. Let's get another gift in the text. We read that to another is given a message of knowledge or the gift of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Now, some people believe that the gift, the spiritual gift of knowledge is the capacity to engage in scholarship so that a person can achieve deep knowledge of a subject matter. I believe that the gift of knowledge is likely knowledge a person receives directly from God, not from a human source. So for example, not long ago, someone in our faith community was praying and this person approached me, a woman in our community, and said, I sense this is going on with you. And without any access to a human source of information, was able to name a burden that I was carrying, a weight that I was carrying, and then said, I sense God is saying that I am with you in this. 
that I'll be here for you. And so I felt really encouraged that God had seemingly given this woman a word of knowledge about me and my situation and an assurance that God would be present in that situation. The gift of knowledge, the ability to know something through a message from God that's given directly, not through a human source or channel. We read, to another is given the gift of faith by the same spirit. The gift of faith is the ability to experience a supernatural confidence that God will provide. Francis Chan, a brother in the faith, so to speak, who has asked us here at 10th to pray for his mission in San Francisco, I believe has this gift, this supernatural confidence that God will provide. Francis was involved in an initiative through the mission that he works with uh, where they were planning to host a meal for people in the San Francisco Bay Area, many of whom had fallen on tough times or were homeless. And not long before the meal was scheduled to be served, one of the organizers said, Francis, we don't have enough food to feed everyone who's going to come. And so they, they, the leadership team began to pray for God to provide. They, they, they finished their prayer. And then Francis' phone rang and, and someone said, Hi, I'm the manager from, uh, from Trader Joe's. Our freezers have just broken down. Any chance you could use some food? We, we need to offload some food real fast here. So they offloaded the food and they were able to feed everyone. This happened not just once, in case you're thinking it's coincidence. It happened twice. And so some of us have this spiritual gift of faith, this supernatural confidence that God will provide. We read, to another is given gifts of healing by that one Holy Spirit. When we think of the gift of healing, maybe we imagine someone praying while laying their hands upon someone who's sick or ill in some way, and that person who's being prayed for experiencing healing. Paul likely has something like this in mind. But the gift of healing can also be manifest as a person is supernaturally able to foster emotional healing for someone, or spiritual healing, or relational healing. As most of you probably know, as I mentioned earlier, in the last two weeks, within the last couple of weeks, a beloved student leader among us, Evan Chung, took his life by suicide. And so that's been traumatic, especially for those of us who've been close to him. And uh, we've had therapists, counselors on location here at Tent, thanks to some of the organizing work of my colleague Ashling and others. And, and, and these therapists, in some cases, have this not only a natural talent to be able to bring healing, but a, a spiritual gift to be able to foster healing as they, they gather with people on our location uh, as individuals or in groups of youth or families. Um, and, and through their interaction with, with folks in our community have been able to foster a measure of healing and wholeness in this difficult time. Some counselors and, and therapists 
have a spiritual gift that enables them to help guide a person into a painful part of their past and experience Jesus in that painful moment of their lives in a way that fosters healing and wholeness. Now, in the Apostle Paul's day, they didn't have therapists and counselors like we know of today. I believe that the Spirit has been giving people in our day this this gift, this gift of healing through therapy and through counseling, among other gifts. So, that's just a sample of some of the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. In, in Romans 12, Paul writes about gifts like service, administration, and mercy, along with other gifts as well. And as I said, these lists of gifts and the entire cumulative list are simply samples of a sample of gifts. Paul makes it clear in Scripture that not everyone has all the gifts of the Spirit. No one person has them all. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? That is, do all have the capacity to speak or pray in a human language or an angelic language that they've never studied? Can all interpret? Do all have the gifts of being able to interpret these these tongues or these languages? And the obvious answer is no, not everyone has all these gifts. Paul encourages us to eagerly seek certain gifts that build the church, that build the body of Christ. But he also makes it clear that not everyone has all the gifts. And when we recognize that not everyone, not anyone has all the gifts, and we also see that God in his providence and wisdom distributes different gifts to different people, We can avoid two pitfalls insofar as spiritual gifts are concerned. We can avoid the pitfall of gift envy. What is gift envy? Gift envy occurs when we compare our gift or our work to someone else's and we feel dissatisfied. We feel jealous and resentful as a result. And this is especially important for those of us who are competitive and tend to compare with others. When we recognize that God in his providence and wisdom has given different gifts to different people, we're less likely to compare and we're more likely to experience contentment and and, and less inclined to feel this uh, sense of envious discontent. When we recognize that God in his providence has given different gifts to different people, not only will we be able to avoid gift envy, but will be less likely to engage in gift projection. What is gift projection? It's the attitude that because I have a gift, a calling, and a passion, you should have that same gift, calling, and passion as well. And that can be oppressive. So when we recognize different gifts are given to different people, we can experience less gift envy and gift projection. So Uh, Just because we don't have a particular gift, however, it doesn't mean that we don't serve in a particular area. You may say, uh, I don't feel like I have the gift of giving. That doesn't mean that you're not called to give in some way. 
A person may say, I don't have the gift of evangelism, the, the supernatural ability to share about Jesus in a particular way. But if you belong to Jesus, if you believe in God, we're all called to bear witness to the reality of God as the Spirit gives us opportunity. So how do we discover or confirm our spiritual gifts? Some people will say, take a test. Take a spiritual gifts inventory or assessment tool. Uh, those, those can be helpful. Uh, and then they'll say, serve once you understand what your gift is. But in my observation, it's often best to do the exact opposite in terms of order. Find a need, serve, experiment. And in serving and in experimenting, in response to a need, you may well discover your spiritual gift or gifts. I'm not sure if Craig and Ashling and my colleagues get this question very often, but from time to time I'll get this question because I'm in a vocation that's statistically unusual. People will ask, why did you end up doing what you're doing now in terms of work? Sometimes I'll answer like this. Um, when I was in high school and a new follower of Jesus, a new Christian, I was part of a youth group at a church in North Surrey. We had a youth pastor named Jack Campbell who received a call to serve in Guinea with his family as, as missionaries. And so he left, and we had no youth leader. And so I, along with uh, some others in the youth group, a couple of others, stepped in and began serving, began leading, and discovered uh, that I had a, a gift of helping small groups of people work together. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll share a story from my time in Japan. After undergrad, as I mentioned last Sunday, I was working in the corporate world, and I had never been to seminary. I was going to a small church of about 25 people, which is about the median size of a church in Japan, with a pastor who was 80 years of age. And he wanted a break from his ministry. And so one day he approached me, and I'd never worked as a pastor, but he said, Ken, would you consider preaching this Sunday? I said, I have no good reason to say no. I had plenty of good reasons to say no. But in the Japanese culture, it's very hard to say no, <laughs> culturally. And so I said yes, and, and, this, and this is hard for some of you to imagine. This was in a time before internet, before chat GBT. Um, I had no access to a theological library, just the Bible, and I said yes anyway, preached. The next month, pastor asked me, he's 80 years old, can you preach twice this month? Again, it's hard to say no in this culture, okay. The next month it was, can you preach three times this month? And that became the pattern. I had a very demanding full-time corporate job, but... I discovered something. You know, someone had asked me earlier in my life, would you ever consider, you know, working as a Christian minister, pastor? And I said, maybe, but I could never speak before people because that terrifies me. So if that is off the job description, maybe. I'm asked, there's a need, there's an 80-year-old pastor who really wants a break. <laughs> and I step in and I discover something about myself that I didn't know. Some of you would know Howard Louie. He comes to the earlier service here at Mount Pleasant. He's really quite involved here. He served uh, in the hospitality ministry. He serves in the greeting ministry. He serves as a board member in probably all kinds of ways that I'm unaware of. 
He's given me permission to share this. But when we're in conversation together, talking about an opportunity or a need, he'll often say, I'm here to serve. And it's not just about here in the church, but that expression that he often says reflects his heart posture. I am here, that is, on the earth to serve. And I hope to follow in his footsteps in that regard. And many of you carry that same heart, that same ethos. I am here to serve. And when you have that posture, not only can you make a difference, but you can also discover or confirm the gifts from the Spirit that you've been given. So experiment. Second, if you want to discover what your gifts are, ask yourself, where do I experience, where do you experience, where do we experience a sense of joy? Some of you have heard this uh, quote before from Frederick Buechner. I think it's from his book, Wishful Thinking, but it's worth repeating, and it's great if you've never heard it as well. Buechner writes, The place where God calls you is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place where God calls you is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Love that, even though I've heard that before. Similarly, but slightly differently, Howard Thurman the justice advocate from African ancestry, of African ancestry, writes, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. When you're operating from your gift, it doesn't mean that you don't work hard because you'll, you'll be working hard. It doesn't mean that you won't face disappointment or even failure at times. But it does mean that as you're working from your gift, you'll have a sense of, this is what I was made for. You'll have a sense of being alive. You'll have a sense of joy. So if you want to discover your gift or confirm your gift, experiment, serve, jump in, ask yourself, where do I experience a sense of joy in life? And then third, get feedback. Get feedback from others. Seek to confirm that gift. The late Timothy Keller, who served for many years as a Presbyterian minister in New York City and who was a big help to me in my early years here at 10th, once said, you may think you have the gift of speaking, but if no one around you has the gift of listening, you probably don't have that gift. (laughs) Straight talk from a New Yorker, but a nugget of wisdom. If you have a gift, that gift will likely be either confirmed or if you don't have the gift, disconfirmed by those around you. So, so get, get, get feedback. Experiment. Ask where you find joy. What's at stake when it comes to using or not using gifts from the Spirit or spiritual gifts? A lot. A lot. Common good, good for the world, our being alive and experiencing joy, and most important, the glory of God. And our being alive and the glory of God connect. Irenaeus, the church father, famously said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Andrew Solomon, who has served on the faculties of both Cornell and Columbia Medical Schools, has experienced deep and profound and long depression. Professor Andrew Solomon says, 
The opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. The opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. And as we use our gifts, we experience aliveness, vitality, and we glorify God. As I've shared with some of you some time ago, I viewed, I participated in um, a master class on leadership that was given by Bill Clinton, the former president. And in the class, Clinton said, I have graduated from high school. Now it's been 57 years from the time I, I finished high school. And so I'll soon be experiencing my 60th anniversary from my high school graduation. The former president said, I have attended every one of my high school class reunions, which occur every five years, except when I was president and needed to send troops into Kosovo. So I've been watching the triumphs and the tragedies of my classmates. He said, I lost four of my classmates during the Vietnam War to the war, including one of my closest friends. And then Clinton said this, I have observed that the most disappointed ones in my class were not the ones who tried and failed, but the ones who never tried and wished they had. The Apostle Paul, in words that are not a part of Scripture, would write to his younger friend, Timothy. And Timothy apparently had this gift of being able to tell others about Jesus, this gift of evangelism, that for some reason he was burying, that he was not using, that he wasn't trying this gift. And so Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Apparently Timothy was afraid to use this gift. Maybe he was fearing failure or rejection or criticism he was holding back. And then Paul writes in the next verse, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Or as another translation puts it, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and self-control. And I can relate to Timothy. I'm not above not wanting to use maybe something that I have been given out of fear of failure or not being great at it is I think I've shared with some of you. When I was a new pastor here at the church, my mentor, Leighton Ford, my, my spiritual father, was in town. And uh, we were walking through Stanley Park together th through one of the trails. And Leighton knew that I had done some writing for a newspaper when I was living in Southern California, one of the local papers there. And so he stopped in, on the trail and he looked at me and he said, Ken, now that you are working as a pastor, have you thought about doing some writing on some Christian themes? I responded, yes, I thought about it, and no, I won't. He said, why not? My spontaneous answer, because I'll never be able to write as well as Philip Yancey, a great Christian writer who's spoken here, by the way. And Leighton said, that's true. That's true. But, but no one will be able to write in the way you write. And he would say something similar to you, that no one will be able to, and then you fill in the blank, 
as you do. You are as unique as your fingerprint. You've been given a unique set of spiritual gifts and talents, a unique character, a unique personality, a unique set of passions. And God wants to bring a work through you that can only be done through you, given your uniqueness, given your unique gifts and shaping. So unwrap your gifts, show up, and use your gift for the good of the world and give glory to God by coming fully alive and fulfill the purpose for which you were created. Let's pray together. In one of the passages where Paul will write about gifts, one of the chapters of the Bible, Paul begins by saying, therefore, in view of God's mercy toward you, I urge you to offer your bodies, that is your whole self, including your gifts, to God, to others, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Maybe you would want to respond to that invitation from God through Paul in your hearts now. Maybe you would want to pray, as Howard has said, to use his words, God, I'm here to serve. I am here to serve. So show me how. Confirm my gifts. And use me to make a difference for your glory. And for the good of the world. And may it be so. Go cross those railroad tracks. And may it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.